he's back to this bright person that I remember him being before we kind of went through, we went through a pretty dark time. He was always this goofy, bubbly, bright person. And he's pretty well back to that. He's happier. The person that I saw before, that's coming through again. And I really love it. So sometimes I think I might make it seem like gender as a social construct is pretty uncomplicated. And that's because to me it is. And I know that navigating anything that goes against social norms is never simple. As we've heard on previous episodes, it might mean having to have hard conversations and make hard choices about extended family. It means having to fight for your child in school. It means rumbling with all kinds of emotional baggage most of us didn't even know we were carrying. It might even mean a change of faith. There's nothing simple about the massive ripple effect that your child's gender transition has on your life. You're listening to Camp Wildheart, your guide for raising a transgender child and nurturing an affirming family. I'm your host, Mackenzie Dunham. When we're looking at any life transition, we're in for a bumpy ride. Even when change is good, transition is always hard. The transition is the messy middle. And whenever we're in the messy middle, we're bound to have some missteps and hard moments. Most of us work hard to avoid the messy middle moments because of how uncomfortable they are. There are some times, like when your child comes out and wants to transition, that those moments become unavoidable. Today, we're going to be talking with Mama Bear, Kristen. Kristen is the mother of two kids, and she and her family live in a rural community where they own a farm. Kristen's sons are both teenagers. She and her husband have done a beautiful job of raising hardworking kids who have a deep love and appreciation for nature and animals. You cannot see anyone in that family without hearing about a goat, a dog, a rat, or a plant that has just come into bloom and how excited they are about it. As a reminder, all stories shared by parents at Campfire are done so with the full consent of their child, and identifying details are altered to whatever point a family requests in order to feel safe sharing their story. So let's start with, like, how old was he when he came out? How, how did this all shake out for y'all? So he came out at 15 as, mm-hmm. um, I think at that time it was as bisexual or pansexual. And then it was, I believe it was another year after that, that he came out as um, transgender. Right. And how did you and your husband handle it when he came out as trans specifically? I guess it'd be good to know, like, how did you handle it when he came out as bi? So I feel like when he came out as bi, I handled it better in that it was something that was more conceivable, something that in my mind was relatable. And so it was like, oh, okay, love you. Don't care who you love or are attracted to. And by the way, this complicates things for sleepovers. So let's talk about that. Right. Um, But that was about it. And then when he came out as trans, it was not something that was as familiar to us. And so it took time. Um, I think that you might remember that you were probably one of the first people that I reached out to Yeah, and you having coffee with me and talking to me a little bit about um, things, giving me resources. I'm definitely a person that needed to kind of do my own research and um, get familiar with things. I think in our family unit, I was 
the one that needed to kind of be the champion. Um, so I needed to get on board with pronouns and then uh, model that. And um, then the others kind of followed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah. So I, as far as the question, I feel like I didn't handle it the greatest because it took me a little bit of time, but I also don't think I handled it the worst. I don't know. <laughs> um, I- I feel like it's a really fair assessment. Um, How, when you say it took you a little bit of time, Mm -hmm. do you remember about how long it took for you? I know I kind of bucked against it for a while. And um, I know the name really threw me because Mm -hmm. we had, um, we had a gender neutral name for him to begin with. Mm -hmm. And um, I raised him pretty gender neutrally and he was kind of, he expressed himself in his own way that was not necessarily gender neutral. So um, all of that, I just kind of had to wrap my brain around. I would say it was no more than a couple months that I was like pretty solid on, on name pronouns and whatnot. Can I ask you a little bit about, you mentioned, you know, Alex has always sort of marched to his own drummer. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm wondering, as you look back, I already know the answer to this question, but as you look (laughs) back, it sounds like even though you raised him to be sort of gender neutral and raised him in this way that you felt was really inclusive, Mm -hmm. that you were still surprised because he did express himself very femininely for a time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that was the biggest shock for us um, and, and how... Um, I think I remember telling myself and I've told other parents that um, I think if my kid had always been like very like expressed themselves very masculinely, I would have been like, oh, my gosh, like this is the missing piece to the puzzle. Right. But but for him, um, you know, people joked when they came to the baby shower for him, like they knew don't get me pink. Like I didn't want pink. Mm -hmm. I didn't want frills. His baby shower or his nursery was purple, green, and blue. Um, we didn't like only buy stereotypically girl type things or, you know, Mm -hmm. like he got to do whatever we wanted. But the minute that kid had an opinion and a a personality to express on his own, it was frills, pink hair, you know, all of that. So it didn't, um, it, it took a while to like connect and figure that out. Mm -hmm. Um, that being said, now, um, three years down the road, I'm still like, he's still not terribly masculine in like his expression. Nope. And that doesn't necess- that doesn't mean that he's any less male and I'm okay with that, you know? So there are things that he does to this day that make me tilt my head, but <laughs> like that's him. That's his expression. And, um, it doesn't make him any less male. Yeah. I also want to point out I remember us having a conversation at one point about it and how he, the one consistency, even with the femininity, was that he was always like, this is who I am and I am expressing myself and I don't care about the people around me and I don't care about the, like the peer, all the other kids are doing this. Like, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. This is what makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. And so he was always sort of like this kid that stuck out in that way. Yep. And so that feels consistent as kind of moving forward and moving through um, with gender and gender variance. I had a grandmother in preschool, I believe, tell me that he was a transgender. 
because he um, he wore multiple layers of clothing um, and and multiple patterns to all of the layers. Like that was actually a battle with his paternal grandmother because she's like, "How do you let him dress like that?" Um, and I was like, "Let him like that's that's him." <laughs> <laughs> but this other grandma in the preschool was like, um, "Now my kid, now my grandchild wants to dress this way, and and your your kid's a trendsetter. Look around, look at all these kids that are wearing layers, and that's your kid that influenced that." It's like. He's got a big presence, you know, that's mm-hmm. definitely true. Mm-hmm. And so once you made it, once you made it through, right, and sort of like stopped bucking and sort of like entered the land of what it really means to be an affirming parent, what sorts of challenges within your social sphere did you all experience? I think there's the typical ones, right? So you have... um the relationship between myself and my husband and um, my son and, or my, my youngest son and the, you know, all of us kind of, were not all in lockstep at the same time. And so um, there was that social dynamic. Um, It was, it's exhausting as a parent, I think, to try to be encouraging, affirming uh, mother bear um, and then trying to, and, and not just be encouraging and affirming to, the child that's coming out, um, but then also the other family members to try and get them to come along. Um, the grandparents, we had um, one set of grandparents that I was terrified to tell, and yet their response was the most encouraging and amazing. Mm. Um, like they were like, okay. I was in <laughs> tears and bawling when I called them, and they were like, uh, the grandfather used the, the new name like before we even hung up that night. Mm. Um, and then there was the other grandparents that, um, were a little bit more difficult and really, really grappled with it. Like same as me uh, and and yet even on a more expanded timeline. So they were trying to, um, avoid pronouns as the solution, or they were trying to come up with their own like harmless nicknames that were something new and different, but still not landing on the actual name. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was hard. Um, and then of course there was church. Um, so when, um, he came out as bi, um, or pan, either of those, those are not necessarily identities that you wear on your sleeve and and you don't necessarily have to express at church. Right. Right. Um, so, so long as you're not coming with a partner to church, then you can kind of fly under the radar on that one. Mm -hmm. Um, that is something that, I've always had a heart for and felt really strongly that um, I think the churches um, need to be affirming and celebrate LGBTQ plus people. Mm-hmm. But then when it came to being trans, you don't get to fly under the radar on that one, especially if people know you as one thing and you're transitioning from that. So we already had a church that we were part of, but I knew in my heart of hearts that I was not in alignment with them um, and their beliefs on LGBTQ. I was already grappling with it, but um, when he came out, it was an immediate, like this, we can't go here anymore because I can't have them telling him anything that would be harmful to his relationship that I hoped for with God. Um, Because I believe that God made him just the way he is and loves him and um, celebrates him. And I needed him to be in a church like that. Yeah, absolutely. So it was a bit of a struggle there um, because I could yank 
my family out of the Sunday interactions. But then my kids were really, um, they had a really hard time with giving up youth group because they thought that they were safe there. And it was really hard because I still wanted to protect them. I didn't want to just throw everybody under the bus and be like, everybody thinks you're sinners and they're praying for you behind your back, right? Like Mm -hmm. I was trying to be more gentle about it. But I think when the youth group had a meeting about Alex and how to deal with Alex without us invited was probably one of the last straws. Yeah. And they did the same thing that I described before where like they tried to avoid um, the name and they tried to avoid pronouns and they all under the guise of being supportive, but it didn't feel very supportive. Yeah. But one thing they did that was supportive was that those youth group um, leaders were who recommended us to the church that we attend now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that church is very much affirming and celebrates people. They say it over and over again, all means all. They're not just like, they don't take the stance of like, everybody's a sinner. And so then like, in essence, they're still saying uh, being gay or trans right, or right. anything is a sin. Um, but no, they believe that you are made in the image of God and celebrated as that, just the way you are. Yeah. So I think that that was our biggest struggle was that finding a church that was in alignment. And I think that that's something that a lot of families can relate to. You know, like the vast majority of families that I work with, and certainly the vast majority of families around here, are in fact very spiritual or religious families. And so for many families, when a kid comes out, there's a lot of emotional reckoning that comes with church and Mm -hmm. what their belief system has to say about their kid. And it sort of shifts everything. And I've seen families lose their faith entirely. I've seen kids really long for their spiritual community and feel just completely lost um, because they don't understand why they don't fit there anymore. Like you said, because they feel very, very safe there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's one of the biggest gaps. Um, like LGBTQ people are no different than heterosexual people and then their desire for a spiritual community. Mm-hmm. And I know you felt this, but I also know that Alex has felt this as well, right? This struggle with even being able to hold both of those identities, mm-hmm. right? And really be proud of your faith as well as proud as uh, proud of your identity and, and gender and sexuality. Yeah, for sure. I was ready for the fight on that one. I don't know if I've shared this before. I'm sure I have. We've been in the room enough together. <laughs> um, but I walked away from church when I was 16 years old. And yeah. and I walked away from church when I was 16 years old because I identified as bi. And I felt like I was being chastised and judged by the church. And it took me 15, 20 years to come back. And it was because I had the kids and I wanted them to be involved in the church and and feel that different level of family and spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we landed in this church, not even the one that I was just talking about, but we landed in this church and that was right when all the churches, I mean, every major, major denomination was in this process of deciding where they fall on the, the LGBTQ um, stance in God. Right. The issues. And, yeah, mm-hmm. issues. And so uh, they had landed on it in the conservative side. And I, I didn't agree with that. So I already knew that like, I needed a church that I agreed with um, and that 
matched my heart and, and what I know to be true, but then faced with my, my kid, um, that was what really made it turn into action. And so you found this church home, you've been able to maintain or build, rebuild a church community that embraces your kid and embraces your whole family for exactly who you are, which is a beautiful, lovely thing. Um, your church is even having pride events. We are. Well, we fly a big rainbow flag out in rural battleground. I know. And you've experienced <laughs> some hate even against that yes. rainbow flag. Mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah. And then I remember the day that it, so the sign got slashed that had the rainbow on it. Mm-hmm. And then literally like the next day, I remember y'all were out there being like, hi, we're still here. Yep. <laughs> yeah. The pastor With has a new sign. Yep. The pastor has um, committed that they will not be down for more than 24 hours, period. So they can keep on coming. It'll keep on going back up. I love it. <laughs> so as most kids tend to, Alex eventually came to you and to your husband and said, I would like to have the testosterone. And I know he didn't do it just like that. <laughs> um, but I know that that conversation came up eventually. So can you tell me a little bit about what your reactions were to that, just that concept, the idea of introducing a hormone into his body? So that was another one that um, took us some time to um, get on board with. I think that for us and our stance has always been, and I hate to liken it to this, but we've always been like, we're in support of something, um, anything he wants to do, cut your hair. I don't care. Piercings. Sure. Whatever. But we draw the line at what we viewed as anything that was irreversible. Right. Right. And so the testosterone was something that, um, we needed to better understand. And we did delay doing because we didn't want him to do something that was irreversible or that he would come to regret. Mm-hmm. For a long time, our stance was not until um, you're out of the house um, or not until you're 18. Yeah. But I think that I also, again, as being the one that needed to do the research and needed to kind of be the one that was the champion in the household, I got to a point where I realized that that was the direction we were headed um, and I needed to continue to kind of plant seeds and educate within the household to see if we could go there sooner. Yeah. But we also needed to see like I, I, a back to the way that he expresses himself. I, I may sound like I totally get it and recognize that, you know, this is just how he expresses himself, but I wasn't always there. Right. Like totally. that mm-hmm. really threw me for a loop. Like, what do you mean you're a dude and you're still like painting your nails and looking or not looking, but expressing yourself very femininely. Um, so to me um, and to my husband, that was um, something that to us, we almost read as mixed messages. So we were like, okay, is this really right for him? So it continued to be something that was hard for us to see as the right choice. I think that's really normal too. I want to make sure that that's a normalized idea that, that, you know, we sort of expect kids to fit the binary in the opposite direction Mm -hmm. when they come out as trans. And that is rarely true. <laughs> right. And part of it is that they don't want to let go of these things that they love. Right. Mm-hmm. Like nail polish is fun. Makeup is fun. Right. Like earrings are fun. Um, all of these things that he enjoyed. He's like, I still want to enjoy these things. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
but I'm a dude who enjoys these things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I, I am much closer to getting that now, but that was definitely something that was, um, hard at first, right? Yeah. This is a new topic, new thing for us to be learning about. Um, and then you add in talking about medical things and that we would act on something that's we're still feeling really unsure about. Yeah. Um, but I also, um, I looked to you as the ex- expert, right? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I think you would agree that there were multiple times that I said to you, like, if you say it's time, tell us and we'll, you know, come in the room together and talk about this. And so that's, I think, where we got to. Um, and that I didn't want him to be, my biggest fear was I didn't want him to resent us for supporting him in something down the, I didn't want him to resent us down the road for supporting him in something that he um, wouldn't be able to change, right? Right, right. I remember that. And I think that the question that you threw back at us was, um, what's the worst? That like, what could happen is that if we support him and he does change his mind, he would feel loved and supported and seen, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that really resonated with me and I carried that forward as far as um, if what's the worst that could happen is that he would feel loved and, and supported and seen if we did support it, even if he changed his mind, but I don't yeah. think he will, but even if he would did, that's, you know, we supported him. Yeah. I remember that conversation. I remember pushing back and, and asking that, like, if, if he did, you know, and really sp- like playing it out in terms of Okay, you got option one where you move forward. He feels loved and supported. Mm-hmm. He changes his mind. He comes to you and said, I've changed my mind. And he still feels loved and supported by mm-hmm. the support you give him then when he retransitions. Or, and to be clear, I think we're on the same page that I think that's a very unlikely option. Yes. Um, but, or he does this on his own after he leaves mm-hmm. and he does it alone and he doesn't feel like he can he doesn't feel like he can share with you the joys that mm-hmm. he's going to experience while he transitions. Yeah. And I remember, I think that for both of you, I remember having this conversation with both you and your husband at the same time. And I remember both of you just kind of went, Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that that was the turning point for him too, for my husband. Yeah. Yeah. Also the conversation that I remember we had with him about, do you really want your son to go through puberty in college without you? <laughs> right. <laughs> Like he wants you to teach him these things. He wants to experience this with you. Mm-hmm. Um, that seemed to also be a sort of like, okay, sort of shifted a little bit, it seemed like. For sure. In that moment. And I know that we worked closely together through the entire time, working up to the time when I said, okay, Kristen, it's time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we'd had check-ins and I was pretty open about like the things that I was seeing that I was really concerned about. And you were also seeing the same things. And I think that we were both on the same page about like him needing to feel like him. Um, and that's the point when I came to you and I said, okay, now's the time. Yeah. Right. He'd let go of some false presentations and really sort of just owned who he was. And I was like, there you are. Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, we can move forward now. And so we had those conversations. So, what changes have you seen in Alex since starting testosterone? I mean, I, I think he's grown a ton. You commented like, there you are, right? Um, yeah. He's back to this bright person that I remember him being, 
before we kind of went through, we went through a pretty dark time. Um, he was always this um, goofy, bubbly, bright person. And he's pretty well back to that. So I, I, I love that. Like he's, he's happier. And uh, yeah, he's just the person that I saw before that's coming through again. And I really love it. Yeah, I see that too. <laughs> this return of like just a goofball who's mm-hmm. like, I'm super into this thing and I don't care that I'm the only one and it's nerdy. Well, I'm doing mm-hmm. it. Like, yeah, let me let me talk to you about succulents. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. And uh, or rats or other animals, you mm-hmm. know, like just super in love with all of these parts of life, um, mm-hmm. which there was there was a period of time where when all of that was just like muted. Mm-hmm. And. He's back to being his vibrant self. Yep. Um, what about, what changes have you seen in you as you've gone through this process of parenting a trans kid? Well, I think I've grown a ton as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm a better person and um, I'm a better parent for both my kids, right? Like this has put me through a number of things and thinking about different things um, or thinking about things differently. So I, um, I'm a, I think I'm better for it. I'm a stronger advocate, ally and accomplice. Like I'm not just, <laughs> I don't think um, advocate is just a word that you get to apply to yourself and, and then sit back and do nothing. Mm. Um, so it's, it's an action word for me, which is um, why I use accomplice as well. Like I'm going to get yeah. into the thick of it with you. Yeah. And I, it's taken it that next step for all marginalized groups, not just LGBTQI um, plus. Yeah. There's a quote that says something about calm seas does not a skilled sailor make. And, and so I think about that with parenthood, right? Like this has uh, definitely put us through some, um, through our paces. And, um, and I just, I think that we're better parents for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I always try and shy people away from in any sort of the work that I do, not just with families of trans kids, but just this really cautious of this idea that the end goal is happy, Mm -hmm. right? Then we've got to learn to swim in the struggle because most of it is struggle. Mm -hmm. And what strong swimmers we can be. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just really powerful I find it to be a much more realistic and powerful way to look at life when you think about like, I'm not just chasing happy. I'm just swimming in the mess. Mm-hmm. So, well, Kristen, what, if any, pearls of wisdom would you like to make sure that you share with other families who are going through, maybe they're just starting out. Maybe they've got a kid who's 16 and begging for testosterone. I don't know. There's all kinds of folks who listen to this. So what, what would you want to make sure they know? So this has been woven throughout our conversation, but I think it's really important to um, take the time for your family to um, get as close to on the same page as you can. But I also think, and for us, like, so we took that time and I look back and then I wonder if we couldn't have tried to follow our kids lead and our kids gut a little bit better. That binary thing that we, you, you talked about. It's not just one or the other. And that's what threw us 
but just to to follow the kid's lead. I guess the other piece is that it's not easy navigating our society as transgender. So when I talk about trusting your kid's gut on this, I don't think anybody would choose to um, walk that if they're not truly feeling something that you should be paying attention to and listening to. Yeah. Be their ally and advocate as best you can. And then I, what you and I had talked about before as far as what's the worst thing that could happen if you support him and he changes his mind. The worst thing that could happen is that they feel supported and loved. Um, and I think that that was, yeah, huge. And I'll just add to that too, this idea of, because we talked about changed mind and I've, those are words that I've used throughout this conversation as well, but I think that it's really important to recognize that even if gender shifts, right, if we're really talking about gender as a fluid concept, if the gender shifts, if that's what it is. It's a gender shift. Not it's not, mind. we're not changing our mind. Like that's very much who I was and who I am in, you know, and just like who he was when he was younger mm-hmm. is also who he was. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, Oh, I changed my mind. I was wrong. That's something that I've heard people say in many different contexts. And I always am like, it's not, a, it's not, I was wrong about who I was. It's that was who I was and this is who I am. And Maybe my expression of that looks a little bit different, but that's okay because that's sort of appropriate, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So it's normal and natural for these things to shift. Agreed. And I appreciate that perspective because, yeah, it's we're always growing and learning and the way that we express ourselves shifts with time. Mm-hmm. 100%. Can I go back for one thing? Um, That other um, pearl of wisdom, I think, is also finding your tribe, right? Oh, yeah. It was huge to find other, the wild heart mamas and papas out there um, and doing the work with with you guys and with those families was huge. To know that they had our back, they were experiencing the same thing at the same time as us and, and somebody that we could go to and, you know, celebrate or cry or scream like it didn't, but finding that, that tribe, that, that was huge. So important to have people around you that get it. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Kristen. I super appreciate your time. Sure. Um, And sharing your story and being vulnerable and like putting it out there to the world of Camp Wild Heart listeners, which is really not a huge portion of the world, just to be clear. Um, but always hearing from listeners, they just appreciate hearing from other families so, so, so much, and it makes them feel not alone. So just know that your story is landing with families who are in struggle, and they're so grateful for it. I hope this episode has left you feeling a little less alone in navigating this process with your own kiddo. Kristen and Alex's story is a bit different than the others we've shared so far. And I think it's important to remind you and emphasize that there is not a path for this. This is your journey as a parent and your child's journey in life and your family's journey as well. It will not look identical to anyone else's and there will be bumps along the way. Bumps are okay as long as we also work to do the repair. Camp Wildheart and our community of listeners are here to support you through this journey. 
So if there's anything we can do to support you and supporting your kid, let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Wild Heart Society, or you can send us an email at camp at wildheartsociety.org. We also have a private Facebook group for parents to connect with each other and ask questions. It's called Camp Wild Heart Community. Join us today. Thanks to Kristen for sharing her story. Parents like her and you are what make me love this work. Thanks again for joining us for camp. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free so you don't miss any future campfires and give us a rating. Rating the podcast helps other people find us and we want to make sure that anyone who wants one knows there's a bunk for them at Camp Wild Heart.